The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, most of us have a daily battle to eat right and to try either maintain or lose some weight. And with so many diets out there, it's hard to know what to do. Listen close, and we'll get you on the right track to your healthiest weight. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, we're extremely pleased to welcome back certified clinical nutritionist Liliana Partita. In addition to being the on-site nutritionist with Dr. Keneally at the Center for New Medicine, she's dedicated her life to health and fitness, including training aerobic instructors and teaching nutrition across the world, to winning a state championship herself in the 400-meter dash. And we welcome you to the well, uh, to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Kim. Thank you for having me back again. It's great to see you. And why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic? Okay, well, my mission really is to try to get to inspire as many people as I possibly can to just really realize that they can take charge of their health without really making so many drastic changes. Everybody gets a little panicky uh, when they're thinking about their goals and their fitness goals, whether it's weight loss or just body uh, type of changes. And they think, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much hard work. So what I try to do is make it in simple, easy steps, good, better, best mindset, so that we can just really change the dynamics. Because honestly, we are the 48th country in health and, and wellness. You know, and that's horrifying. <laughs> so it's just like, we got to change this. We got to come back up to the top where Spain is at in terms of a healthy nation. Oh, I like that. I like your competitive attitude yes, there, too. That, that, that track attitude, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to gotta win. Got to get up to the top. Get that, that winning attitude. Well, uh, let's see. Today, we are talking about our favorite topics and uh, weight loss. And I'm going to ask you so many questions about this. So do diets work? Well, you know, unfortunately, if they did, we wouldn't be at 48th as far as oh, health, right? That's depressing, isn't and it? It's sad, and 70% of our population are overweight. That's scary. I mean, we're looking at children as well. And so I would say that, you know, even though the U.S. alone spends $33 billion on consumer products for diet pills and, you know, diets and fads and things of that nature— we're really, really lagging. And so I would say that the typical, what we call fad or crash diets don't work. It's all about creating a lifestyle behind what you do for the rest of your life. I think that's great. And I, when you mentioned kids, I think, oh my gosh, of course, the smartphones and everything, but they're just, it seems like they're brought up now just with sitting behind a computer or just sedentary. Exactly. Lack of exercise. It's mm -hmm. awful. You know, you see these little kids, unfortunately, already setting themselves up for later heart disease, obesity. And, and it's really sad because there's so much that, you know, you can do with just getting these kids active. Right. Get them outside Instead for goodness of sake. looking at an app and <laughs> trying to have it do it for you, right? Yeah. Will detoxing your body help you lose weight faster doing a detox? Well, you know, I love detoxing, and I'm very much of a seasonal detox. In fact, I'm on the detox now for the second time this year. I'm looking at you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I would say, when in doubt, clean it out, uh, yeah, right? that's true. And unfortunately, you know, there's so much unseen toxins and that we're exposed to, whether that's in our food or our air and our water, is that we really have to, you know, think about cleaning out the rest just so that our body functionality will work so that when people do lose weight, their liver is supporting their weight loss, uh, their kidneys, their bowel functions, because 
because honestly, when you're losing weight, it's just not fat you're losing. You're actually dumping toxins into the bloodstream. So being on a, a, a detoxification regime where oftentimes you're doing detox shakes can replace a meal, which is going to be lower in calories as well. And oftentimes you're going to be eliminating, I would say not often, all the time, uh, you're going to be eliminating all allergenic foods mm. uh, that potentially can cause inflammation and weight gain as well, like eggs and gluten and dairy and starchy foods uh, or starchy carbohydrates and nuts oftentimes. So oftentimes mm. what happens is you uncover these, what we call mast allergens, and people just start losing weight because of that. So I love doing detoxification, and seasonal is my favorite. So how long do, you, do your detoxifications last? And on those, you mentioned your shakes. Is that all you're doing, is having water No, I, I know that's what people get afraid of. Oh, my gosh, you know, detox. We, we call it maybe house cleaning is a little bit better way of looking at it. Um, no, so usually these uh, protocols are set up with having a detox shake that has different type of amino acids to support what we call phase two detoxification. We liquefy the toxins in phase one, and in phase two, we excrete them out. So they usually have herbal formulas in there to support that and amino acids. And then they come along with little packets of pills that support, obviously, the liver and the kidneys as well. So it's usually a very structured from a one week to to usually a 21-day regime. So just depending on what the client is really willing to do, right? We know we we all can do 21 days, but are we willing to do it? Right. So I kind of meet the patient where they're at in their capacity. And if they don't want to detox, a major detoxification, I just ask them to do, you know, detox baths or even just little simple things like fiber drinks, um, anything, exercise that we can support their pathways of detoxification. That's a good point. And then, then, yeah, the addition of the fiber, I think. People, we don't get enough fiber, right? No, definitely not. Why is it harder to lose weight as you age? This makes me cringe. I'm so (laughs) irritated. I'm like, oh, another year older and it's just harder and harder, isn't it? Well, you know, I'm 61 years old. You are not. And I probably weigh the same as I did when I was uh, right. 18 years old. We're done old, with okay. this interview right. now. Stop. <laughs> so, so, but, but really, honestly, as we age, unfortunately, we're also losing our beautiful, precious hormones, whether they're men and women. And so, of course, as we start to lose the testosterone, we start to develop more estrogens that they can turn over and create weight gain. Men will get it in the belly. Women also, after menopause, will get it in the belly. But before menopause, it's usually in the lower part of their hips and their thighs. Mm. Yuck. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> but of course, men have more muscle mass than we do starting out with. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it looks like when we go on a weight loss, they say, oh, men, they lose it so easily. Yes. But in reality, it's just because since their weight is usually in the belly, it's more noticeable. Oh, right. Gosh, yeah. But in the long term, you know, studies show that men and women lose weight equally in the long term. But just in the beginning, they do lose a little bit more because it's more noticeable. But I'd say it's hormonal related, honestly. Uh, less muscle as we age, uh, less hormones as we age, more stress, sedentary lifestyles. We start to use food as our drug of choice when we're not being motivated and being creative or having good intimate relationships. So again, you know, it kind of just sets up us for a little bit more excess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> with all of what you were just saying, and it's um, and I think yeah, that the hormones. I we just I just talked to a, a, a woman yesterday about. Um, everything that the women go through as we go through the change of life. And so uh, that all goes hand in hand. Uh, Emotional eating too is so 
it's what you were just talking about, and I think we're going to talk further about that. But what approach is better when losing weight? And uh, is it slow and steady? I think I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Is it a crash diet? Right. Well, so think about crash diet, bad diet, <laughs> quick diet. Right. So quick weight loss and quick regain. And unfortunately, when you're doing something drastic, the body's always in a preservation mode. And we're always looking, as far as the body in and of itself, is to house a little bit more calories for famine. So we have this regulation in terms of our hypothalamus to tell us what, what it's comfortable with as far as its weight. And of course, our weight that we want is not usually that weight. It's at least, you know, five or 10 pounds less than that. Right. And so when you go into these crash diets or very, very, very low carbohydrate diets, um, you lose a lot of weight, but most of that is water. And of course, it's very exciting in the first week because a lot of water is excreted. But along with that is muscle mass. So unfortunately, 90% of the people who go on diets gain their weight back with between one and five years. Mm. So they absolutely don't work. And it's all about what I say, slow and steady always wins the race. And at the same time, we really want to make this a lifestyle approach. Okay. And that's what you said from the very beginning. And it's just once you straight start training yourself, yeah. then it's, as you say, slow and steady wins the race. How, how can we lose that weight if you're unable to exercise due to uh, injuries or disabilities? Okay. Well, I have a really good story. Uh, we did a show called The Doctor Detective Show uh, with Dr. Keneally, and we were interviewing, this was all real patients in regards to their treatment. And I had a patient, uh, he was actually, he just turned 70, and um, he didn't exercise, and he had a couple little injuries that, you know, kind of been, might have been a little bit on the excuse as well, but they were valid, okay? And so um, we definitely started out with just lowering his portions of what he ate, you know, again, slow and steady, good, better, best kind of mindset. And then we went into what we would consider a more keto adaptive program where we're really teaching him how to actually use his fat for fuel. And when you do this, what happens, it regulates your appetite and you're not as hungry as you would normally be on just, let's just say, a, a normal macro plan, you know, of, of, of more equal portions. But anyway, uh, he lost 45 pounds, oh my all right? Gosh. And we were ex so excited because, of course, this was on the show. So we had, you know, great results. results and right. I just saw him yesterday, and he looks fantastic. So I said, I got to take a picture of you with me because you wow. look so, and he, you know, he continues. So now I said, you know, the only thing is the exercise. And he said, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm motivated now. And I said, okay, well, what has motivated you that didn't motivate you before? And he said, well, my daughter's asked me to go on a hiking trip with her. And I said, mm -hmm. sure, I could do it. And my wife looked at me like, uh, I don't think so. Right. And he said, okay, that's it. I'm going to just start walking every single day. So again, it really takes the mindset of why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and for him, it was, I want to go on a trip with my daughter and spend some quality time with her. And this has motivated him. But now he's feeling so much better. Now we got to get him to the gym so he can start strengthening, you know. Right. That's so what he, he says. Okay, I need to start, you know, pulling in some uh, of this, you know, muscle back in. Yeah. What a great story, though. And, and he, did you say he's 70? He's 70. Old? So oh. it's awesome. So again, I would just say, you know, cut down your portions, be mindful, start to move and drink plenty of water and just, you know, just, just think about 
how much you love yourself and why are you doing what you're doing. And I think um, one thing that really plays out in this is the minute you start to see a little bit of that weight come off, I think that's, first of all, maybe that is the first motivating factor. Um, but then I don't know what that time frame was like from the time that he was on your show. And About then, seven months, honestly. Wow, you know, he did really impressive. good. Yeah. He, so he kept that off. Yeah, and he's doing fantastic. So, you know, I'm, I'm right behind him. I'm saying, okay, I'm your coach here, Aww. so let's keep going. So I love that. He's doing fantastic. Well, we're all on his side there. Yes. I want to see him hike that mountain. Yes. Um, is So is exercise necessary for weight loss and how many times a week? Well, you know, I think exercise is absolutely important for anything because of the fact that it's going to increase your circulation, your oxygenation. It's going to be a way where you can detox by way of the pathway of your respiration or your skin, which is really important. Stimulates the lymphatic system, which is our internal shower. So imagine if you didn't take a shower, what would happen? You'd get a lot of gunk all right, yeah. built up. Yeah. And so that's what I always say, you know, why, why do I do detox? It's to clean the rust out of my body from the unknown. Mm -hmm. I mean, I eat a really, really, really clean diet. So, but again, under stress, you get dysbiosis of your gut. You know, 24 hours can change the gut biome and there you start creating more toxins. And so I would say I love exercise because it gives you an opportunity to help you detoxify, increases endorphins so that you feel a lot better about yourself. And again, when you are exercising, you're starting to see the results with weight loss and with muscle mass. It's even, you know, more exciting because you start to see your body back to where you want it to be. So I'd say, you know, for, pe for, for people I always recommend, if they could do 30 to 45 minutes to an hour a day would be awesome. If they don't have that amount of time, then just break it up. Whether it's at your lunch hour, you know, to go, just, just going out for a, a walk or doing some stairs is awesome. So anything they can be more active is going to be really important. And to do cross training, because if we do the same old thing all the time, yeah. you know, your body adapts to it. And so I say that weight training is far more superior because you're actually creating muscle mass. And when you're losing weight, you're, you are, you know, even though you're losing fat, you are losing some muscle at the same time. There's, there's no way you can go about isolating, you know, just one uh, category of weight loss. So the weight training really helps to hold on lean muscle tissue. And I find it a better way to keep your weight off because your calories, because you burn calories more effectively because you have a higher metabolic rate. So I'd say if you could do, you know, five, three days a week weight training would be awesome. And then the rest of the weeks, you could all kind of, whether it's, you know, getting in touch with nature and hiking and biking and swimming when it's a good weather, running, you know, just getting out there in nature and just, you know, looking at the glory that God has given us in this beautiful landscape and fresh air. And uh, so I'd say if you could do five, six days a week would be just perfect right <laughs> if we could do that that would be awesome and you're right we live here in southern california right. but if you're not but you just try to right. find the best of what god has given us and in, i always just say look you know landscape. just if you can't if you, do, you can, don't sleep well or you don't feel if you feel sick just do something i don't care if it's 10 minutes of breathing or just bounce and shake but if you do nothing then that starts to build a platform for not being motivated to want to exercise at all because good people don't like to exercise. So uh, let me ask you a question about um, the running versus yes. like power walking okay. because a lot of times, um, I don't know, I, I am married to a runner and yeah. he's like, what, your walking's not doing anything, but I'd like to power walk and right. I, would I ever, will I ever be able to graduate to running or feeling like I'm making a difference if I'm power walking? Well, yeah. power walking is awesome. I mean, I like hitch training, uh, high intensity training, so go fast maybe for like let's just say 80% of your capacity for a minute and then uh, go medium speed for three minutes so you mm -hmm. kind of go fast slow fast so that to me is one of the better ways to actually 
lose weight. Um, long distance running and running, it can actually break down lean muscle tissue. And if you've ever seen a sprinter, they've got these beautiful legs and you see a long distance runner, they've got these skinny yes. little legs, right? Because their body's breaking down lean muscle tissue for energy. And so I would say that your power walking is awesome, but I would probably add heels to it. Okay. And then that way you can start to get what we call an oxygen deficit. And then your body's got to use fat to replenish what you were deficit while you were while you were moving. Okay, good point. Here's this question that I wanted to ask you about is emotions and what do they have to do with weight gain? That eating and yeah, when people are Well, I love to talk about emotions because <laughs> I say that your emotions dictate your chemistry. So I they have a huge amount to do it. When my patients are uh, in high stress, they're in high cortisol, and cortisol is a storage hormone. And so again, they, when you're in a flight and fright situation, two things happen. Your body thinks you need to run, flee, and fight, so it releases a, a glycogen or glucose out of the muscle fibers for instant energy. So let's just say you're sitting at your desk really stressed out and your body thinks, okay, it's a flight and fright response. I, I dump glucose into my system, but there's nothing I'm doing. I'm not running or fleeing. So now you've got cortisol in there, which is this flight and fright hormone and glucose. So what's going to happen? Cortisol is going to oppose glucose. And then all of a sudden you're going to be insulin resistant over time and then start creating weight gain. Mm. Now, the problem with these up and down surges of stress is that after the stress is over with, your body wants you to replenish the glucose that it dumped into the system and that that sets you up for cravings but it doesn't set you up for cravings like a piece of chicken it sets you up for cravings like a piece of fruit or a cookie or chips or crackers things of that nature depending on your stressors I always have a, a good saying I say you know when you are stressed out you want salt and crunchy foods because that's an adrenal food right if you are feeling like um you need some love in your life, you want dairy products, ice cream, cheese, right? All that casein morphine. And um, when you feel like, um, oh, I haven't been noticed, I haven't been acknowledged, you want chocolate for the dopamine and the magnesium, right? <laughs> so I used to say, let's talk about your emotions. I'm going to just tell you what you crave. And they go, how do you know that? I said, because your body's always trying to create a homostasis so that you're always in a feel-good mindset. Mm -hmm. right? In case we get the predator coming to chase us, we've got to be able to run and be motivated to do it. So emotions play a huge role. And unfortunately, we live in a time where it's, it's just an incredible amount of stress that's on us. We, we do too much in a day. It's ridiculous. I've lived in four different countries and I've never had to live at this pace as I do here in the United States. I was born here, but at the same time, you really appreciate these other countries that actually take time out to connect or to actually have a lunch where you're not going 100 miles an hour to try to get to the next patient, things of that nature, you know. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think that uh, it's just really important to just kind of look at the overall impact of how you think and how you want to love yourself, because truly I say, if you truly love yourself, are you really willing to, to desecrate the temple of your, of your body by eating junk food and all these foods that you know that are carcinogenic? Why would you do that? Yeah. Right? Right. right. And so I think that it's really important. I really try to get people to, to also have uh, an emotional baseline. So once they lose their weight, we want them to recognize they're a new person. They don't need to have to be fearful that they're going to go back to their old ways of being because they've learned so much more now because they're afraid. 
they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I've always never been able to keep my weight off. I'll probably go back to it. So I really work with them on visualization. Okay, now this is, you know, this is our initial goal. This is what you look like. I say, you can't manifest anything that you can't see in your mind's eye or even know how it feels to feel it. And so I really try to get my patients to work on visualization every single day, even when they're at their, you know, what we call their goal weight. It's just, just like I just wake up and I do this whole meditation on every single cell in my body is beating, bathed with vitality and energy. And so, you know, you get into the mindset of really creating what your mind's eye can see. Wow. I'm going to get your number and I'm going to call you. Have you called <laughs> me every day? No, I'm just kidding. Yes. This is great. That, that's, it's true. It's a whole visualization. You have to visualize. Yes. And then uh, live it. So uh, this is all great information, Liliana. We'll be right back. We have to take a quick break. Stay with us. Why not shop online and let mothers have your order ready when you get to the store? Go online to mothersmarket.com and place your order today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with certified clinical nutritionist Liliana Partida. And thank you so very much. This is so very interesting. We're talking about um, weight loss and how to keep it off. And um, Liliana, what is the best diet for weight loss? The million-dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm listening. Well, honestly, in my experience, okay, I believe that it's all about a healthy lifestyle. And so what I like to do is I like to get people's metabolism working correctly. So I like to do what we call a keto-adaptive diet. Now, um, I work with a lot of cancer patients, and one of the things that they do significantly when they're on this diet is lose a lot of weight. So I started utilizing the diet for my weight loss patients and, of course, treated it a little bit differently because uh, they're able to exercise more than a patient that is under more uh, restrictive uh, immunity issues. But um, the, keto diet, the ketogenic diet is all about um, getting the patient to be able to use fat as a source of fuel. And it's really our primal blueprint. That's how we were meant to live. I mean, as cave people, we hunted, we gorged, we ate, and there was days that we, did, we didn't eat. And so our body was really good at storing fat. And so our primal blueprint is to be able to utilize fat when there is not enough food. But unfortunately, that's not the time we live in. Mm -hmm. And so um, what I like to do is I like to base it on how many calories that they burn. And I usually, women, 12 to 1,500 usually, and men, anywhere between uh, 17 to 2,000 calories. So I have a machine that tells me, this is how many calories this person burns at baseline. And then I use that number, and I do their macronutrients. So I'll do 20% of what they consume in protein, which is moderate, which is great because, you know, most people that are on a weight loss are not growing anymore. And so we don't need the type, the amount of protein that we need in reproductive state. Then I bring their carbohydrate levels down to a uh, to the lowest denominator as possible. Now, a ketogenic diet is 5% of your total calories, which is really, really severe. Mm -hmm. And most patients or people in general cannot last on it, nor should they, because it's very hard on the kidneys. But it's a good way to kickstart them into having that real motivation, because when you bring their carbohydrates down so low, it forces 
forces the body to send stored fats to the liver, turn them into ketone proteins that support metabolism and brain function. So actually they're not even hungry because it makes them feel a sense of satiety. So they can go on to a little bit more of a, of a restrictive, you know, in regards to some of the foods that we've taken out, like their breads and, you know, their grains and things of that nature that are, in my opinion, anything that expands, like rice and bread and things like that expand, mm -hmm. are going to expand your waistline, period. I mean, that's why I kind of how I t talk really to people. You know, analogy, it's, it's true. It's easy it's, enough. I yeah. say anything that shrinks <laughs> is going to shrink your waistline. If you put a whole tray of vegetables in the oven and when you pull them out, it's half of a tray. You know, when you cook spinach, it's you know, 10 cups is a cup. I mean, you cook mushrooms, they shrink. So I said, anything that shrink is going to shrink your waistline. Anything that expands is going to expand your waistline. Hmm. Anything that's bitter is going to be low carbohydrates, low in, uh, in sugar. Anything that's sweet is going to be higher in sugar, which is going to potentially gain more weight as well. So I, I really am very, very fond of uh, a, a, a ketogenic approach. And so I might start my patients off on, depending on their willingness, because there's no one size fits all. And then if they're willing to be a little bit more in the ketosis phase in the beginning, maybe even like for a three week to a one month period. And then I put them on, you know, a little bit more carbohydrates so that it's more sustainable over a long period of time. Once they reach their goal weight, then we can do what we call refeeds because patients will always say, well, can't I cheat? And I said, well, you know, if you cheat, you know, we're, what we're trying to do is go into what we call sugar rehab. All right. So if you're going to cheat, you're going to go right back to being a sugar you know, addict. And that is going to set you up for cravings. And also when you take out these expansive foods that hold a lot of water in, what happens is your body has to uh, regulate its plasma. And so if you eat something like uh, if, if you haven't had bread for a while and you eat bread or you eat sushi, uh, rice, your body has to have water. It has to change the water over so you get water retention. So everybody's going to gain weight. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I just gained three pounds. All I ate was some sushi. It didn't weigh three pounds. <laughs> and I said, well, your pot, body is, you know, diluting the pollute. And also those are water content foods. So um, so I believe that the uh, a form of the ketogenic diet is one of my best ways that I can get the weight loss off and then in the long term, you know, give them refeeds. So let's just say uh, Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday, they are really clean with super low carbohydrates. And on the weekend, they just have better quality of carbohydrates. They don't go to eating junk foods because really, why do we want to do that? That would be kind of counterproductive as far as healthy living. But let's say they want to have a yam or they want to have some basmati white rice or they want to have something that's a little higher in sugar. I still gear them towards, you know, all of the, you know, gluten-free and, uh, and foods that are going to be less toxic, then they can get away with that. And then once they're at their baseline for a long enough period of time, then the body remembers, oh, this is my new weight. Because when you lose weight, your body has a regulation system that's always going to want to fight you to get for you to put your weight back on for famine food mm. and this is why people when they go on these really restrictive diets like I just when I went on a detox diet in the beginning of the year uh, it was very restrictive because I was doing colon cleansing so for five days I didn't eat any food but I did this bentonite psyllium husk clay I was full because of the fiber but boy did I lose a lot of weight more weight than I wanted to lose but boy was I insatiably hungry afterwards I said well this is fun putting my weight back on but for people who don't want to put that weight back on it's a big problem problem because mm. it dysregulates the hypothalamus to get you to want to eat more food and eat more food. So 
It's, wow. Yeah, so I like I like the ketogenic approach. It's my favorite, and I get the best results with that in a modified version. I do modified, and I like the way you say it's kind of like the kickstart to yeah. just get everything going. Yeah, it really helps because people out. love it. They're yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, am I gonna lose five pounds every week?" I go, "No, <laughs> <laughs> most of that was water, but it really motivated you, right?" Right. Yeah, yeah. it's a good motivator. Uh, how can you keep your weight off after you've reached your weight loss goal? You t- you did kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so like- and, and so you know, the most important thing is that you really kind of want to have some accountability. Mm. So I like food, you know, logs, because if I'm aware of what I'm eating, I'm mindful eating. And then also, too, they can kind of notice, okay, well, gosh, I gained a little weight. Oh, yeah, you know, I had went out to dinner a few times, and I had bread, and I had sushi, and I had this. So they start to realize where they're starting to increase. Mm. And so they might have to downregulate some of the sugar food diets, and or maybe they're eating too many calories, because now they're eating a whole bag of nuts, because, you know, things of that nature. So I get them to, to, to you know, monitor themselves, which is always great. They don't have to weigh themselves every day, because because that's kind of redundant and, you know, kind of, I would say it's kind of like the stock market. One minute you're rich and the next minute you're poor. Right. But we don't want to base our, how we feel on a daily basis with our mood on that. So I say, weigh yourself once a week, same day, every day. And if you see that, um, you know, things are kind of shifting in the wrong direction, make sure that you're moving a lot more. Maybe you're lacking in exercise. Maybe you need to change your exercise. Maybe you're not drinking enough water. Maybe you're not sleeping well. Maybe you have too much stress. You know, what can we do to alter that? Meditation, uh, you know, emotional freedom techniques. So I teach them all of these tools so that they have a way to not only monitor where they're at, but then also tools to say, okay, you know, I better re-navigate and get back on board because, yeah, I've been a little laxed here. That's great. Uh, and again, just all of your tools that you're giving uh, all of us, uh, you know, even that meditation, we need That's a, so an outlet, important. right? Oh, absolutely. Do you have to starve yourself to lose weight? You've also talked to us that kickstart. Well, you know, you know, you do not have to starve yourself. In fact, you know, I mean, I do like fasting for a little short period of time, you know, just to do real serious house cleaning and to also give all the organs a break. But I never use that for weight loss ever because you will gain back that weight. And even when I do detoxification, for me, it's not for weight loss. It's just a clean house. And so starvation diets are not good. They, they dysregulate your, 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 your leptin response, and then your body wants to put that weight back on uh, fiercely and oftentimes more. Mm. So we definitely don't want to do that. What about intermittent fasting? And is that good for you, you and know, good for weight loss? Yeah, I like intermittent fasting because, again, we go back to the primal blueprint. We didn't get to eat all the time at our luxury. And so think about it this way is that... Um, our body starts to slow down after a specific time of the night, right? And so I always say uh, in the afternoon is when you have the most metabolic fire. So that your biggest meal should be in the, in, in the afternoon, you know, like let's just say at lunchtime. And then our body starts to decline a little bit in our capacity to use calories. We're not as, you know, busy running around. And then um, so that should be the smallest meal. Now, if I stop eating, let's just say somewhere around 7 o'clock at night, my body has enough glucose stored in its muscle fibers uh, for about a 12-hour period or so, okay? And so at night, between 10 and 2 o'clock, uh, or between 10 and 1.30 in the morning till 2, your body uses the most fat for fuel to repair itself. But we'll only use it if, there's, if, you have not, if you don't have insulin in your blood. So if I take an evening snack, like let's just say an apple, or I take a piece of cheese, something of that nature, then I have to stimulate insulin, which is the vehicle that drives those calories into the cell wall. It's a storage hormone. So if his insulin is in my blood when I go to sleep, instead of using fat for fuel, I'm going to resort to using muscle for fuel, which will decline my metabolism and my ability to burn calories in the first place. 
And so I like to say, okay, let's stop eating at 7.30. And if you have now become fat adapted, which means I actually am burning fat for fuel, then I have the patients go, because after that seven hours, or that 12 hours, let's just say they stop eating at seven, seven o'clock in the morning, their body's looking for food. It's like, feed me, right? And so that's really the time when the body goes into a really nice ketosis. So I say, instead of eating, let's have what we call, uh, and uh, David Asprey coined this, um, this is one of his discoveries, is a bulletproof coffee. And that's adding a tablespoon of coconut oil. Uh, he uses a, a tablespoon of grass-fed butter. I use two tablespoons of cream because it's just a liquid butter, organic whipping cream, which everybody loves. Mm. And you throw that in the blender with some cinnamon for your blood sugar, a little stevia, and it's like a beautiful cappuccino, but it's got 230 calories. Mm. And fat doesn't stimulate insulin, but it gives your brain and your metabolism enough calories so that it doesn't use your muscle. So it's wonderful. So then again, you don't feel hungry because the caffeine cuts your hunger. You've got calories. Your brain says, okay, you're okay for a couple of hours. So then you have almost a 14 to 17 hour period. I think everybody should at least wait for at least four, you know, several hours before they wake up to eat. Eat when you're really hungry. Really hungry. hungry. Yeah. Work your, your yeah, way Yeah, but I love intermittent fasting. It increases your mitochondria. It increases your white blood cell capacity. We have our patients do it for the chemotherapy. Um, I, and it's anti-aging. So I, I like doing intermittent fasting a lot. Wow, there's so many good reasons to do that. Um, you just threw out that little coffee recipe, and do you have that? Do you have that listed somewhere? <laughs> you said I it so do, fast. Yes, I'm like, I'm trying I to write do, it down. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, I have a a cooking uh, YouTube channel because so many of my patients, I'm sitting there in counsel with them, and I'm talking about all this food, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, don't you have a cookbook?" And I go, "The closest thing I'm going to be able to do for right now is a cooking channel." So it's great because everything that's on there is all keto adaptive. Perfect. And so there's no gluten or anything like that to it. So, you know, it's going to fit all diets. And I've got all those recipes and I've got it, you know, uh, I'm always doing Instagram and Facebook and all kinds of good stuff to just put as many recipes out there to motivate people for delicious eating. We don't Excellent. need to give up flavor. Oh, no. that's, I yeah. love that. And I love that you talk about all of the aspects that go into it and why, you know, you say it's organic or what, you know, what it's in the cinnamon. <clears throat> we talked about cinnamon before, but. Um, throw it out there right now and, and then we'll put it out there again. Your YouTube channel, what is it? Uh, so it's just Liliana Partida and then uh, the Sensational Living is the cooking channel. So they just can just go onto YouTube, Liliana Partida, Sensational Living, and there should be at least 32 and we're going to be doing a whole lot more because I'm getting ready to launch a keto stacking system, which will be a two-month uh, live webinar uh, lifestyle. So Great. it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about oh, it. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. So how important is it to eat organic foods to lose weight? Well, think about it this way, okay? They put those pesticides on to kill things, right? Mm -hmm. And then we ingest them, mm. and they can create carcinogens in our body. And so, again, they're, oh, they're just highly polluting to us. And so um, I'd say it's super important. Not only are you going to get more minerals, uh, you know, as far as the phytonutrients are concerned, but at the same time, we're not going to be uh, laden with all of these pesticides and glyphosates that can be hormonal disruptors and cause us to gain more weight as well as, you know, that we call them obesogens because they mimic, you know, hormones and create us to have weight gain as well. So I say organic is, if you can do it, you know, especially things that are thin skinned, you know, your apples, your lettuces, cucumbers and things like that. It's really, really important. Um, what about uh, hydration? Does that play a part? Hydration is imperative. And of course, as we age, we're less, uh, we have less capacity to hold water. As a baby, you're probably 70%. As mm -hmm. probably at my age, I may be only 50% or what have you. But uh, it's essential because even just 2% dehydration can uh, impair weight loss. 
And of course, when you drink, uh, oftentimes you are hydrating and you have a sense of satiety and most people are actually craving, but really they're thirsty. So I just say, you know, don't have plastic, but have, you know, a water bottle around always. Uh, we don't want plastic to because we want the phthalates in it. And just be sipping all the time. And what happens with people, and even myself, if it's not in front of me, I don't drink. And, but if it's there, I'll just sip in between my patients or my, my talking and all of a sudden I realize, and I like to put it in jars. So if I have 32 ounce mason jars and I have two, I've done it for the day whether I put lemon in it or some herbal tea in it, mm -hmm. something that makes it more appealing to drink. Uh, I think it's very, very important for all aspects, the lymphatic system, your skin, everything, and how the body functions. Good points. What oh, half of your body weight in ounces, so that's what you got to drink. <laughs> oh, for water. Okay, dehydration. Yeah. What, uh, what about prediabetes or insulin resistance? Do that, does that play a role in weight gain? It does for the simple fact, that, again, when you're resistant to allow your body to take in the very calories that you're consuming, then what happens is that you end up storing them in fat cells, whether it's proteins or carbohydrates. Unfortunately, people think they can eat all the protein they want, like in a paleo mindset. Mm -hmm. But more protein that your body can actually uh, utilize will actually get converted uh, in the liver. Uh, it's called glycation. And will send those calories as into the fat cell, but as sugar. Oh. So we tell patients, you know, a moderate amount, like the palm size at the maximum of protein intake. And so... Um, so, so I would say that uh, it's really important to just kind of say to yourself, I'm all about balance. I don't want to go too far in one direction or too far in another direction. I want to just to create a nice, uh, you know, arena of plenty of variety of foods, uh, but with the mindset of which ones like me, mm -hmm. which ones don't give me bloating and gas and heartburn and weight gain. Those don't like me. Okay. And just be really conscious about that. And know how your body feels. And know how that. your body feels. Are there medical markers that our labs that can prevent us from slow weight uh, or weight loss? That can support us? Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, I, you know, I'm, the fortunate thing is I work in a medical facility, so I am privy to all of the labs. So, you know, basic CBC panel where we're looking at liver functions is very important because the liver is essential in, uh, in, in weight loss. So if you have a fatty liver, you know, we can uh, see that through ultrasound, not necessarily through uh, lab work you won't be able to lose weight as well. If your endocrine system is down, your thyroid or your adrenal glands, again, that runs your metabolism, you, you might have high cortisol levels, which forces you to hold on to weight more because of the cortisol and the sugar cravings. So it's really important to address your endocrine system, uh, to address your hormones, especially for women who are in menopause, uh, menopause situation. They need hormones to maintain their skin in terms of the, uh, the, the elasticity of it, uh, also the testosterone, so they don't get saggy skin. You know, what do women say? The drapey skin is the worst <laughs> curse ever, right? Okay. Um, but I like the CRP, which is C-reactive protein, uh, thyroid uh, markers for, you know, all, all the basic markers, the adrenals for the cortisol, uh, homocysteine for people who have uh, uh, heart issues. And um, let's see what else would be good. Insulin markers. Those are all really uh, great, great markers to use. And a lot of doctors, that's not standard practice. So you have to ask for And those. vitamin D3 is essential. Mm, okay. Uh, and then last question. How important is the body-mind connection to weight loss? We talked a little bit about this. And, and also, is it 
that accountability. Wow. Yeah. So accountability is really important. And it's so funny because when patients will come to me, they say, oh, I knew I was coming here. So, you know, I've been really good. Right. I go, well, what have you been before? You know? Right. But so again, it's like when you know that someone is going to be measuring and commenting, uh, you're a lot more strict. And this is why these Jenny Craig or the Weight Watchers work is it's not what they offer because a lot of the packaged food, as we know, is, you know, devitalized and chemicalized and so forth. But what works is that they have the accountability mm -hmm. and they have the support and group support. So I tell patients, you don't need to go out and join uh, a, a group, but what you need to do is enlist a friend or your husband or somebody that you can kind of have an accountability partner. And then, of course, they always have me as, as a coaching accountability partner as well. So it's really important. And as far as, you know, the mindset, if we have a critical voice and we're always blaming ourselves, oh, I ate that. Oh, you're horrible. Oh, my gosh. You know, the basic human person is, you know, guilt wants punishment, and that means weight gain. Mm -hmm. So, again, I just say, look, if you ate something, bless it, eat it, and get on with your next meal, for goodness sake. That's going to make you gain weight faster if I sit there and go, oh, my God, I shouldn't have eaten it, right? Because then you've just got all these hormones that are flooding your system. So the critical voice is really important. So I always tell patients, if you're listening to a voice in your head that doesn't make you feel good, you ask it three things. You say, number one, what benefit is it for me to be thinking this at this time? Number two, how do I know it's true? And give me an example of it. Mm. Okay. And oftentimes it's a made up story in your own head. Yeah. Right. So I get people to just say, to identify because that's not spirit speaking to you. That's your ego dipping into your hurts and wounds and saying, oh, well, remember last diet? Mm -hmm. And oh, you just gained all your weight back and da 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 da. And you're always going to be fat, blah, blah, blah. And that's not spirit speaking. Spirit would say, oh, yeah, you really blew it. But God, you learned so much, didn't you? And now next time you're not going to eat that food because you got bloaty and gas and heartburn. And that didn't feel good, right? <laughs> right. So again, I always say, well, whose voice are you listening? too. So I really work with people on really pay, being mindful about what their mind is speaking to them. What story are they telling themselves that's making them feel? Because they're reacting from that point of view. Right. Oh my gosh. Such great advice. And you know what? You can use that outside of your, just oh, 100%. In, in your in whole, whole life. life. Yeah. So I, it's kind of like, thank you. Next. Move along. Yes, right? exactly. But that forgiveness is such a, a key element. I could talk to you all day, Liliana. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're so and, and we'll have you back. Uh, it would be great to talk to you about so many other things that you're working on. But you can catch more of Liliana on the center at the Center for New Medicine. And the website is, uh, is it? Uh, medicine.com it's what is uh, the website it's a, it's a center for new medicine.com center for new medicine.com and then one more time your youtube channel uh, so you just go under my name, Liliana Partita. I have a lot of dis different, you know, talks that I have on there as well. But then I have what's called Sensational Living, and that's the cooking show. And then, of course, my Facebook, Liliana Partita, and also for Instagram. So you'll be seeing me post all kinds of luscious food because I'm all about the experience of food. I don't want to take the flavor, flavor and joy out of food. What I want to do is I want to bring back the joy of recognizing that good food not only tastes fantastic, but it keeps me at the desired weight I want to be. Ah, oh, and you look fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll Thanks. have you back soon. Thanks, Kim, for inviting me. If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guides to keep your body in tip-top shape. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.